Hello, welcome to Farm to Fork, a program dedicated to exploring how food and drink are produced, delivered, and served throughout the Pioneer Valley. In every episode, we speak with some of the brightest lights in the Valley's culinary world, from gleaners, gatherers, hunters, fishermen, farmers and packagers, to brewers and restaurateurs, and everyone in between. My name is Jessica, producer John Roberts has joined me, and today we'll be talking via Zoom with Eric uh, Tideman Mao, employee owner of Gardener Supply in Hadley, Massachusetts. So thank you for joining us, Eric. Hi, Jessica. Thanks so much for having me. So what is the history of Gardener Supply? So Gardener Supply was originally founded up in Burlington, Vermont um, in 1983. Um, and it started as a catalog company, as so many did at that time. Um, and then they gradually transitioned to um, having a retail location and, and then a website as well. Um, and the first retail location opened in, opened in 1989, right alongside their warehouse uh, because of demand from the, you know, the local community. Um, and, and now they have stores, uh, you know, kind of across Vermont, New Hampshire, and, uh, and us here in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what was the process, uh, you know, when Tom Giles, uh, Giles' store, Hadley Garden Center, uh, he decided to retire uh, with his wife. There was obviously a process for him to decide, you know, how to move on and uh, relinquish his store. So how did it become Gardener Supply? Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, Tom and Janine owned the store uh, for many years um, and they, they certainly are you know, earn their retirement, um, no doubt about that. Um, and, and when that time was approaching, they really had, you know, the employees, us in mind. Um, and they, they took a lot of time um, to, to think about their options. Um, they wanted it to stay a garden center. Obviously, right here on Route 9, there's, a, you know, a lot of other businesses around us um, that would have been happy to have, you know, the, the location um, that we do right on, right on the main strip here. Um, and so they were really drawn to the appeal of Gardener Supply um, as an uh, employee-owned company that really cares about uh, the folks who, who, you know, who he cared about so much. Mm -hmm. Well, you mentioned location. You're also um, right across the road from two big box stores, uh, Lowe's, well, I guess Home Depot is up the road a bit. But what, you know, what is it like competing with those two stores? Yeah, so it was, it's certainly a challenge. Um, you know, when they came in uh, many years ago, um, understandably, Tom was quite worried about the impact that would have uh, on the business. Um, you know, their, their supply chain is, you know, you know, incredibly, um, you know, robust, and they just have, have an incredible purchasing power that, you know, the smaller businesses just can't match. Um, and so what we try and just focus on, on is what we can to offer that, you know, they may not have the capability to. And really what that comes down to is customer service. Um, we really try and always have staff that knows what we're talking about um, and is willing and able to, uh, to help customers um, with their gardening projects. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have personally uh, stopped by Gardener Supply since it opened. And I like the fact that employees there you know, admit when they don't know, frankly, you know, because oftentimes you go to a store and you, and they, uh, the employees, no matter what you ask, they'll act like they know, even if they don't. So I appreciate the <laughs> of the Gardner Supply folks. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, and that's, that's one thing that we tell our employees here, because we do have a lot of seasonal folks who may not have a lot of gardening experience. Um, but we impress upon them that it's an amazing opportunity for, for them to learn as well. Um, and that if you, you say something that's, you know, you're not sure about, you know, the, the plant will tell the customer whether the advice was correct or not. Or not. Um, and so if that customer comes back in a month and the plant's dead, um, you know, there, you know, there's a reason it, it didn't work out. And we want everyone to have a positive experience. So um, it's, it's good learning opportunity for everyone. Yes, I do. You know, sort of satisfaction guaranteed, you know, that Gardner Supply will stand behind its products. And if you have you no know, trouble with a plant, you can, what, take a picture, bring it in, or yeah. talk to yeah. someone. 
Absolutely. Yeah. We always think there, you know, it's, it's always easy to plant that plant, but then keeping it alive and healthy looking um, is the real challenge. Um, and so there's, you know, that's one thing we pride ourselves on is being able to help troubleshoot those problems uh, when they do come, come up. And is that, what's the guarantee? Is it a year that someone can get a replacement yeah, plan? Or? Yeah. So on the, um, on the house plants, it's a, a three-month guarantee, a little bit shorter on them. And that's so that, you know, if there's any kind of insect infestation or anything that, you know, got by us when we when we brought the plant in, um, that that can always come back because we never want to have a plant go out our door um, that introduces a problem into someone's garden. So, so that always comes back, no questions asked. Um, and then on the trees and the shrubs and then the perennials, it's a, a two or three-year guarantee. Um, again, and that will cover even things out of our control, like, like, uh, winter damage. Um, so, you know, there are a lot of plants that, you know, you have that, that bad season where there's no snow uh, to protect the plants and you, and you lose it despite, you know, your best efforts. Um, and you know, that is something that, that gets covered by the guarantee, which is, um, you know, can be really nice, except for, especially for, you know, newer gardeners, um, to kind of ease that, that the pain of learning. <laughs> So, uh, Eric, what would you say sets Gardener Supply apart uh, from other gardening stores besides the great customer service? Yeah, so, you know, um, you know for, for one, we're an employee-owned company, um, and so uh, the employees do actually own the company. Um, there's no outside shareholders. 100% um, of the company is owned by employees. Um, and so that I think that really instills... Um, a, a different kind of attitude and creates a different work environment here um, that is hard to replicate. Um, you know, another thing that's different about us from many other gardening locations is that we opt not to sell, um, you know, most of the chemical um, insecticides and fungicides um, that are, are common in this industry. Um, so you won't find Roundup um, in our store. Um, and, and, you know, that's just kind of a decision that we've made in terms of you know, the gardening community the, that, that we want to grow. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned, uh, you know, being a, being a employee owner of the store, it feels different. And how does it feel different for you? Cause you worked at Hadley garden center. So, you know, you have, you know, the difference between working for a for-profit and, uh, employee owned. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, so, so, so Tom was, Tom and Jeannie were both very good to us. Um, and, and we did feel very involved, uh, you know, in the business, um, e even though technically we were not, you know, employee owners. Uh, but as employee owners, you know, with Gardner Supply, we, we see all the financial information. So we're much more attached to how the business is actually doing, um, which you know, for me personally, it really makes me feel more connected to the work. Um, you know, you see the, you know, the fruits of your labor. Um, you also see the bad, you know, the bad times. Um, so, you know, if it rains for a month and business is bad, you know, you, you understand that, you know, we have, maybe we do have to reduce payroll a little bit in a, in a certain month, but there are reasons behind it. And it's not just this corporate entity that's telling us we need to make, do these decisions or or you no, know, a different decision. Um, and so it really kind of answers a lot of questions that I think people otherwise would have. Mm -hmm. Are there any uh, unique programs that you offer to customers? Yeah, so, you know, as Hadley Garden Center, we did offer some classes, especially in the winter when there was a little bit more time. Um, throughout the uh, the winter, um, Gardner Supply has offered some online courses, you know, which which mainly became a thing uh, during COVID, as so many online programs did. Um, but those were available during the winter. Um, for now, we don't have anything on the calendar for the for our Hadley store here. I know they they did a uh, some other workshops up in Vermont at some of their other stores, and we are putting together some things locally uh, that hopefully we'll be able to roll out this summer. Um, just trying to motivate the staff here to to. Uh, practice on the public speaking and be willing to stand up in front of an audience, which is, um, you know, <laughs> we're, we're very comfortable with plants, but not, not necessarily uh, public speaking. Uh, so I saw on your website, you offer, um, well, yeah, so the Burling Burlington store has educational seminars, um, but anyone can participate via Zoom. Do you think that's going to be coming uh, to the Hadley 
shop anytime soon or yeah so i you know um the, the the whole zoom aspect is even more intimidating intimidating i guess i'd say for folks um but hopefully we can run some smaller you know smaller classes here uh whether it's you know some of the basic things about taking care of vegetable gardens or house plants um and and, and we're hoping that we can run kind of a more intimate setting uh, with small groups of people in the store um you know, and, and potentially do that on Zoom as well in the future. Uh, but I think seeing that, you know, camera recording people uh, can, can really make them nervous. So I think we'll start with some small groups at the store to get it, to ease into it. So what would you say are the guiding principles of Gardener Supply? Uh, you know, so really, um, it's to kind of be a force for good in the world and, and encourage gardening in a responsible way. Um, you know, when Will Rapp founded the business, he he, he was creating products for um, people who were both physically challenged um, and not otherwise not able to do gardening. Um, so they created raised beds for folks who, you know, you know, couldn't get down on their hands and knees and, and work in the soil. Um, and then they've you know partnered with, partnered with a lot of organizations to expand gardening to folks who you might not otherwise have that access. Um, and, and then also doing that in a, you know, in the most environmentally and socially responsible way possible is, is really important. Mm -hmm. So I did live, uh, I lived briefly in Burlington, Vermont. So I learned a little bit of the history of the Intervale um, there next to Gardner Supply that it, it was a huge sort of became a ravine dump for people just throwing old tires and things. Um, do you know the story? I'm just curious about the story there. Yeah. Um, so you know, no, you're you're absolutely right that um, it was kind of this uh, watershed area um, that historically had been used as a dumping ground. Unfortunately, um, and, you know, and and part of that was that it made the land in that in that area, um, you know, very unappealing uh, for for the people in Burlington, um, and so that's where they built their first office. Um, and then they gradually worked on just cleaning up the property. So hauling out all the debris, you know, the broken down cars. Um, and then they trans transformed that into a, uh, a composting facility uh, where the town was going to dump, was dumping compost um, instead of putting that into the, into the landfill. Um, and then they gradually turned that into a nonprofit, which focuses on uh, developing future farmers. Um, so, so at this point, there are individual farmers who are uh, kind of working on their own section of land there, getting themselves established, starting their own businesses um, before moving out onto their own. Um, and so it's, it's a really great opportunity for, for folks to, um, to get to start their own farming uh, career who might otherwise not have that opportunity. Mm -hmm. Sounds similar to the Florence Organic Gardens. Absolutely. Yep. So your website, uh, Gardener Supply, highlights some test gardens. Uh, so I was curious, what is a test garden and how do gardeners sign up for the job of being a test gardener? Yeah, so the test gardens um, are kind of located across the country. Um, because Gardener Supply does sell online, um, they have to create products that work not only for you know the folks here in New England, uh, but also for people in you know California, you know in Texas, and you know the areas that have completely different you know growing zones, growing conditions um, than we would be used to. Um, and so a lot of the problems that we have with cold uh, or you know various types of bugs are, are completely different for those folks. Um, so it's really important to have people in all across the country um, to give feedback on products um, and kind of both identify their weaknesses and their strengths. Um, there's no official process for getting signed up as a test garden, um, but a lot of them have just come from either influencers on social media or other people who are really active in the gardening community. Um, and I think a lot of them have come from customers as well who have just, you know, frequently purchases a product. And, you know, when we see something that, you know, we, we need to get out there and test, then they'll reach out to folks. Um, but unfortunately, no official process to, to sign up for that job. You're listening to Farm to Fork on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM in Northampton. 
And we're talking with Eric uh, Tideman Mao, employee owner of Gardner Supply in Hadley, Massachusetts. Uh, so Eric, there's a design and development program at Gardner Supply. So I was curious how that works. Yeah, so there's a, a small team up in Vermont um, that comes up with a lot of the new products that we offer, both online and in the store. Um, I believe it's a team of two, maybe three people. Um, so it's not it's not a large group, uh, but they take suggestions uh, from people within the company um, and just their own gardening experience, as well as things that they see around or or, or ideas that have been brought up on the website by by customers. Um, and they both design and build prototypes of product. Um, and then they there's a small test garden right in the Burlington store, kind of on the side of the, the location there, where they test all the new product. Um, and, and it's a really great opportunity for people who are actually gardening to, um, to see how it's working, uh, to ensure that it's something that's going to add value to your garden uh, before before selling it. Do you have uh, garden advisors, uh, you know, all gardeners themselves available and ready to answer the questions of customers? Um, of course, you mentioned that before. Or that's a new cell. So why is it important to you to have gardeners available to answer customers' questions? Yeah, so you know, like like we mentioned, the um, gardening can be very challenging at times, um, and uh, it can it can be in incredibly frustrating when you've put a lot of time and money into your garden, and then things start going wrong. Um, and and you know, the uh, the the gardening industry has gone through a bit of a change uh, where you know there was that whole victory garden generation that grew up gardening, and everyone had a base knowledge uh, of how to plant a tomato or how to grow a tomato. Um, but that's over time been lost. And so a lot of the people who are getting into gardening now don't have that base knowledge behind them. Uh, and, and, and that can be really, really challenging. Um, you know, even something as simple as, you know, the need to water your plant. Um, well, to us, that seems obvious. And, and of course, you would need to water it. Um, unless you've had a plant, you know, how would you know that? Um, and, and so we, we really, the, the end goal is for people to have a good experience, um, enjoy having their hands in the dirt. Hopefully, if you're doing a vegetable garden, have some produce or something to, um, to show for your, the fruits of your labor. Um, and, and that really comes from having, pro, uh, having employees that, that have gardened, are familiar with the products, and can kind of share that information. And then I'd also add that, you know, I learned just as much from the customers as they do from me. Um, you know, I, although I did go to UMass, I, you know, I learned almost everything I know from working here in the store, working with Tom and all the other great folks here. Uh, and so there's, there's really nothing like firsthand experience, whether it's in your own garden or learning from your, your friends and other people's experiences. Um, yeah, I, I can't, I can't, you know, emphasize that enough, how much I've learned from customers. So true, so true. So I've noticed that the layout of Gardener Supply in Hadley is different compared to when it was the Hadley Garden Center. Um, for example, there's more space, open space in the large entry room, uh, which is the opposite of most stores, which are, you know, they're trying to squeeze as many products into their available space as possible. What was the thinking behind the new layout? Yeah, so we did um, rearrange the, that, that main room a little bit. Um, the registers used to be in that center area, um, but we took that out and put them along the front windows um, to just make it a little easier to navigate the space. Um, as you know, everyone, uh, who, who drives on route nine these days knows that there's a little bit of construction there. And so we've had to redo our entire parking lot because of the, um, you know, the road expansion, uh, which is, you know, essentially eating into the, the front of our, our area there. Um, so there, there certainly have been a lot of changes. Um, but, but really we want to create a space that's inviting, um, you know, while while I certainly love those you know those small local hardware stores that are you know crammed um, wall mm -hmm. to wall and you know your sh your shoulders are brushing each side of the aisle as you go down, um, you know we're trying to tr create a space that it's a little bit more relaxing um, and maybe not as overwhelming to walk through, um, and and I, I think we're getting there. It's, it's certainly a work in progress. Yeah, I enjoy it. Uh, so I, you know, you mentioned the difference earlier between being, um, you know, an employee at a for-profit company versus a uh, worker owner. 
And I certainly sensed a different vibe uh, when I went to the Gardner Supply between the employees. Uh, they seem more empowered, relaxed, interactive, maybe friendlier and happier. Uh, the cashier was familiar with butterfly bush, um, which I, you know, inherited in my yard and was able to answer my questions when I asked about its invasive, uh, whether it's invasive or not. How would you, you know, how would you describe employees uh, um, in general at Gardner Supply? The, you know, we we have a fantastic group of people, of folks here. Um, they're they're both hard work, hardworking, and intelligent. Um, you know, and you know that I think that employee ownership, being attached to what you're doing, um, really adds value um, to to the work that you're doing. You know, you're you're not just working uh, for a hedge fund somewhere. Um, it, it, at the end of the day, you know, at the end of the year, um, when you see that. Um, you know, contribution into our retirement accounts, it, it, it really brings it all home. Um, and so hopefully that brings um, an attitude where we can create the environment that we want here in the store. Um, and and we all want to work in a positive environment. We've all had work experiences that are, you know, that are less than stellar. Um, and so, it, you know, it's our business. So we have that choice. And so if we want to make it a great place to work, that's on us and we can make the changes um, to make that happen. So Eric Gardner Supply is a certified uh, B corporation and is using you know business as a force for good. So what does that entail? Yeah, so you know at the at the store level, um, it, the the main difference is about the products that we sell. Um, kind of like I alluded to before, um, you know the the lack of Roundup, um, the lack of a lot of those other heavier chemicals that you see in um, traditional agriculture. Um, and you know that certainly does provide a challenge for uh, for folks who are potentially used to using those products, um, and, and provides a, a little bit of a challenge for us as employees to, you know, there's there's there are certainly ways to solve a lot of those same problems without those chemicals, but they're certainly um, a little bit more complicated. Um, so we really need to be familiar with what we're doing. Um, to be able to educate uh, customers how to achieve those same goals without the use of those uh, those chemicals, um, you know, being a, a B Corp, you know, means you're in, in good not only uh, to survive as a business in terms of profitability, um, but also there's a sense of social responsibility to that as well, and that's part of where not using those chemicals uh, is a big part of that. Um, uh, but then also being a uh, you know a member of the community, um, and you know as you know, as we all know, Tom was a, you know, is an outstanding member of the community um, and always donated a lot uh, to local organizations. And so we're, we're, we're following in those footsteps. Uh, so you have a, uh, yeah, you uh, random acts of gardening uh, program. Can you provide some examples of those random acts? Yeah. So usually in the summer, um, the, the stores will make up uh, various potted plants, um, sometimes with vegetables, sometimes with flowers. Um, and typically they go out to, uh, like nonprofits, food banks, um, that type of, uh, of, of, of business or location. Um, and it's just kind of, you know, making their, their location look a little prettier. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, something that they would probably want to do, but just don't have the time. Also going back, um, you mentioned alternative, uh, you know, so if you don't have Roundup, you know, you need to offer maybe some alternative method options for customers. Can you, can you give some, so for listeners out there who are gardeners, can you give some examples of what you might suggest as alternatives to the chemicals? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and so, you know, the, the first thing is to always identify what you're working with. And so whether it's a bug or a plant or a weed, um, really have an understanding of what is that bug? What is the weed? What's its life cycle? How much damage is it really going to do and establish if it's even a problem to begin with? Um, you know, there's a lot of bugs out there that, that will take a few bites out of a plant, but really ha have a minimal effect on the plant health. And, there, and there's no reason to kill those bugs, even with an organic spray. Um, so we want to make sure it's a problem worth dealing with. Um, you know, if it is, uh, you know, if we're going kind of the plant weed problem, you know, there's vinegar sprays that you can put down. You can certainly, you know, practice lasagna gardening techniques where you cover areas of, of uh unwanted plants with cardboard and mulch uh, to smother the weeds. And so you don't need to spray anything. 
you, you know, all, all of these solutions typically do require a little bit more labor and time than uh, than Roundup, uh, but can be equally effective in the long run. Exactly. So I know the Gardner Supply Store in uh, Burlington, Vermont, you know, has a company farm. What I was curious, what's produced there and why, and where does the produce go? Yeah, so they have a farm actually right in front of their uh, like the corporate building, which, which is the the storefront as well. Um, they have a, a series of raised beds there. Um, they do a lot of potatoes, onions, um, tomatoes, kind of the the, the basics um, that you might grow in a home garden as well. Um, and it all goes to the local food bank there. Um, so it's a really great great problem, uh, great program. Um, you know, with uh, with our kind of space constraints here along Route Nine, uh, it's challenging to find to find that space. Uh, but I'm I'm hopeful that uh, you know once the construction is all done in this area, that we'll be able to uh, fit in a small area somewhere where where we can do some of that as well. We need to take a station break, but please stay with us because when we return, we'll continue our discussion with uh, Eric Tideman Mao, employee owner of Gardner Supply in Hadley, Massachusetts. You're listening to Farm to Fork on Valley Free Radio, 103.3 FM, and an independent nonprofit community run station in Northampton, Massachusetts. The show streams on valleyfreeradio.org, where you can also find our program schedule and become involved with the station. The Food Bank of Western Massachusetts provides healthy food to families and individuals facing hunger in our region. And right now, with food insecurity the highest it's been in recent years, the Food Bank is distributing more emergency food than ever. Learn more about the Food Bank or get support for yourself and your family. Go to foodbankwma.org or call 413-247-9738. The Food Bank of Western Mass, committed to making sure our neighbors have enough to eat and leading the community to end hunger. Thank you, River Valley Co-op, for your support of Valley Free Radio. River Valley Co-op specializes in fresh, local, and organically grown foods, fresh produce, meat and seafood, cheese and dairy, bread and baked goods, and an in-house deli, along with a wide selection of bulk foods and a large selection of natural and organic grocery items. Owned by its customers, although everyone is welcome. Co-op ownership is not required. Open daily 8 to 10, 330 North King Street, Northampton. Phone 413-584-2665, rivervalleymarket.com. Co-op. Thank you, River Valley Co-op, for your support of free speech in the Pioneer Valley. My name is Jessica. Today we're talking with Eric Tideman Mao, employee owner of Gardner Supply in Hadley, Massachusetts. So, Eric, um, are there? Well, actually, yeah, you just talked about um, your hope of creating a company farm there in Hadley. Uh, I was curious if there's uh, an employee volunteerism program, and if so, what sorts of projects uh, do employees like to work on? Yeah, we do have a great program here. Um, everyone in the company actually gets eight hours of um, paid volunteer time um, that that we're encouraged to use, um, and and so. Uh, and the, for the past several years, uh, the majority of the store has participated in the hot chocolate run in Northampton. We've we've had a team there, which has been which has been a lot of fun, and and obviously goes towards a good cause. Um, you know, we've had some folks who have worked with the uh, food bank of Western Mass because um, you know they, they have a lot of work that they do, and they, they always need help. Um, and then there are a lot of smaller projects that that people work on, whether it's you know small gardening uh, workshops here or there that we're not necessarily leading as you know as individual employees, but we're participating in and just helping with general cleanups. Um, and it all speaks to that you know kind of social responsibility um, and being part of the community. Right. Uh, so what what would you say have been the biggest challenges to running uh, Gardener Supply since COVID emerged? Yeah, so so like every kind of retail uh, brick and mortar store, COVID was an incredible challenge. Um, you know, it it was an increased challenge in some way because um, during COVID, you know, unfortunately, so many people were out of work. A lot of people were at home, and they had time to garden. Um, you know, everyone kind of wanted to be outside as much as possible, understandably. Uh, and a lot of folks found that gardening was a good way to you know, kind of manage the stresses and, and spend some time outside. Um, you know, so they were, so folks were looking, looking to do some gardening and get those supplies that they needed. While at the same time, we were trying to restrict the number of people that were in the store. Um, and, and that was, that was an, an interesting balance to, to try and manage. Um, and, 
you know, part of that really spoke to the power of being employee owners, because even though um, we did have the, uh, you know, the state exemption or the possibility uh, as a garden center to be completely open with no restrictions, uh, we did opt to close the, uh, the actual interior of the store uh, for several weeks and do a, um, like a curbside program, uh, which, which, you know, was an incredible challenge to manage. Um, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're gardeners and we're, we're not set up to essentially operate a, uh, like a call center. Um, and, and like, like, like all brick and mortar businesses, you know, you just, you had to adapt. Um, so that it was very challenging and I'm, I'm glad that, that we are, um, mostly past that. So what do you do to reduce uh, the, the amount of resources, uh, for example, water, electricity, uh, that you use there at the store? Yeah, so so as a gardening business, as you can imagine, uh, there's a fair amount of water involved, um, and so one thing that we we continue to improve on is our general efficiency with the water that we do have to use. Um, we've started using drip irrigation in our trees out in the nursery um, as much as possible, uh, which reduces you know anytime you're using a sprinkler on potted plants, you know half of that water at least is just hitting the ground and 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 being wasted. And so hopefully that drip irrigation is going right into the pots. Um, and then we do a lot of hand watering as well, which is incredibly labor intensive, uh, but we're putting the water in the pot and, and not wasting it all over the ground. Um, in terms of electricity, um, luckily, you know, Tom went through and, and converted most of the lights here to LEDs many years ago um, to, re to reduce the amount of electricity that we use. Um, but so really water, uh, water consumption is, is where we're constantly striving uh, to be better. Mm -hmm. So there's no possibility of solar? Um, I think solar, solar is a possibility. And I know we did look at that uh, when we kind of expanded our parking lot here. Um, but unfortunately, uh, the, that, that initial upfront cost was, um, was a little bit much. So I know it's something that they're still hoping for in the long run. All right, because you could do the, you could do carports. Exactly. Shade the cars and yeah, have the solar panels on top. Yeah, I know. I've seen that at uh, I believe the co-op over in in East Hampton has that, and uh, it seems like a a great way to 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 both generate power and then also shade shade the cars that are parked there. Uh, so I'm hopefully that maybe someday that uh, that that would be a possibility. So Eric, what are you most proud of uh, in terms of starting and running Gardener Supply in Hadley? So really, I think, you know, having worked for Tom for such a long time, um, continuing, um, you know, the business that, that he started, um, you know, even though we are, we're not, we're now Gardener Supply, um, I, th I think it's really been a, a great transition. Um, you know, the, the business that he started really put customer service at the forefront. Um, and so I was well-trained by him uh, in terms of how a business should run. And I'm, I'm hoping that I'm, you know, instilling those values on the employees here. Um, and Gardner Supply has those same goals in mind. Um, so having a great, great crew of employees here um, who can help customers and, you know, hopefully offering just solid gardening product and advice um, to, in, you know, so that everyone can have a good gardening experience. Mm -hmm. So what do you imagine for the future of Gardner Supply? So, you know, Gardner Supply is trying to grow their uh, their retail presence, as, you know, in brick and mortar. Um, they did actually just acquire another garden center um, in Greenland, New Hampshire, which is just outside of Portsmouth um, that I had the pleasure of going and, and helping uh, to get that that location up and running, uh, which, again, was a, a small family owned store, um, beautiful property. Um, but they are they are looking to expand um, and and acquire more garden centers. You know, so many of the small family-owned stores, are, um, you know, folks are reaching that retirement age, and it's it's a really hard industry. It's it is very hard work. Um, you know, and we're not. Um, you know, no, no one's making millions. Um, you know, gardening. Um, and so a lot of the next generation just is not picking it up. Uh, and so, so I'm hopeful that, you know, rather than seeing these individual garden centers go out of business and just kind of disappear, um, that Gardener Supply will be able to continue to identify some of those stores and, um, and, and, uh, and acquire those to, to keep that tradition alive. Mm -hmm. That'd be great. Uh, so, you know, I focus, I tend to focus on um, pollinators a lot. 
when I garden, uh, I put in a pollinator garden. Uh, what, you know, do you have supplies there at the store for people interested in helping the pollinators? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, a few years ago, we uh, started separating our nursery yard a, a little bit more um, than it had traditionally been in terms of native versus non-native. Uh, we have a native section in our shrubs, um, and then we have a native section in, in the perennial sections as well to help folks identify those plants um, that are native, um, that are you know most beneficial to the pollinators. Um, mm -hmm. And so there's there's always a good selection of those, uh, and so that that's kind of an easy starting point to make sure making sure you're getting plants that are good for pollinators. Um, and then you know hopefully that advice that we're giving folks in terms of um, you know, identifying if a problem really is a problem that you that you need to do anything about. Um, you know, so many times, you know, in my own garden, I, I almost never treat anything. You know, most mm -hmm. of these problems will resolve themselves. There are, of course, you know, uh, exceptions to that. Um, but you can live with a lot of plant damage um, as long as you don't need it to look like a magazine cover. Um, you know, it, it doesn't really hurt the plant if it if it's getting eaten by a few bugs here or there, um, and those bugs are having a you know a, a positive in, impact on the the environment and on on our uh, survival as well. Uh, so it's important that we don't overreact um, to to small problems. That's true. I did. Uh, uh, I went out to Amy Pulley's nursery in Cummington, winging a prayer, and I bought a American cranberry bush. And as soon as I, I got it home and the leaves started curling and I thought, oh my goodness, what is going on? And she, so I called her up and she said, oh no, yeah, that's a typical, there's a bug, you know, that attacks it, but it will survive. You don't, you know, don't worry about it. I'm like, oh, phew, <laughs> I, can, I can just let it, let it be. I don't have to throw any uh, chemicals on it. Yeah, absolutely. The plants are tough and, uh, you know, plants have survived for such a long time with, with these insects. Um, and so, it, you know, that the plant may, may not, not always look exactly like it did in that magazine or what the picture you saw online, but, um, but, but it will survive and it, and it will still look, um, you know, as good as you want it to. Yeah. And actually, yeah. What, yeah. Talking about hardiness of plants, um, you know, I'm, I'm probably not, I'm probably typical in thinking, you know, once it turns brown or the stem snaps off and I think, oh my goodness, this plant is done. Like it is over. But one of the pollinator friendly plants I put in the ground, the stem immediately snapped off. Mm. And, you know, again, I thought, oh, why might as well dig this thing up? It's it's done for. But the next spring, you know, the roots are in the ground. It sprouted. It has taken off. It is, you know, just creating lots of baby plants. And so I could not have been more wrong. Um, so you're right. Yeah, they very very plants are very hardy and you know tougher than we give them credit for. I mean, I read all these gardening books, and they're all these, you know, all these uh, suggestions like, you know, don't don't put water in the ground because it will compact the soil. But then when it's really dry, you have to throw water, you know, in the hole before you put the plant in. So just, it, yeah, I don't, it feels like people are kind of overthinking gardening sometimes. Yeah, I would completely agree. Um, you know, and kind of in this day and age, there's a lot of information that we have access to, you know, and sometimes for better and sometimes for worse. Um, and I'll admit I'm completely guilty of that as well. Um, you know, as soon as you have a problem, you, you immediately look it up online. And, and, and the first thing you find is always the worst case scenario. Um, and then we overreact. Um, and, and usually we end up spending too much money um, trying to solve a problem that perhaps was insignificant to begin with. Um, uh, and so, yeah, a lot of times just time um, will solve these problems. And, you know, I always tell people, you know, go, in terms of gardening, if you can identify when a plant is wet and dry, then your success rate will be incredibly high. Um, you know, just just getting the watering right, um, and you know, this in terms of fertilizer and soil amendments, um, you you can bypass a lot of things, and the plants will survive as long as you know when it needs water and, and when it doesn't. More importantly, yeah, I'm totally guilty of I kill house plants. 
well, I don't even have any anymore. I gave up because I would <laughs> overwater and get they'd get root rot and die. And oh my goodness, uh, I felt very bad. But um, yeah, I mean, so you bring up a, and I was just thinking about, you know, I come up with a design plan, and I think anybody's design plan. You know, I mean, we we get stuck in this, like it has to look like this, but with gardening, you know, I'm always experimenting. It's actually fun for me to experiment. And then I came up with a design plan for my front yard, but you know what? Some of the plants didn't like the front yard. And so the plants have on their own modified my design plan. And, you know, the, some are sprouting now. Um, I'm seeing combinations of three different plants that sprout next to each other. They seem to you know, do very well in combination on certain plants together. And so, you know, I have to be flexible and willing to accept that, you know, my design plan is probably not going to be set in stone and things are going to change every year. Yeah, that's, that's, that's absolutely one of the challenging parts of gardening. Um, you know, you can read in the magazine that, you know, this plant does well here, but then when you get it into your garden, uh, it may comport you know, perform completely differently. And that can vary, you know, even from one side of your garden to the other. Um, there certainly have been a lot of, you know, folks who have come in over the years and say, you know, I have two of these plants, one here and one on the other side of my house. And, and this one's doing terrible, but the other one is doing great. And, you know, the, even though the sites seem similar, um, there's, you know, small details in terms of whether it's sunlight or drainage, moisture, there are just so many factors. Um, and it can be really challenging, but, you know, in an effort of creating a low maintenance garden, you know, identifying kind of the soil you have, the conditions and taking cues from the, you know, the nature around you and seeing what does do well, uh, can really be a, a, a good guide in terms of, uh, your plant selection to create a garden that will just thrive on its own without needing to, to irrigate it. You know, in my own garden, I have incredibly sandy soil, which is a challenge. Um, and, and I don't want to water anything really after I plant it, um, um, to a point. Um, and so usually I'll, I'll water things just to get them established. But after that point, they are on their own. Um, and so there are a lot of plants that I love that I, I just am unwilling to plant in my own yard because I, I don't want to have to water them or take care of them in, in special ways. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's a trade-off. And, you know, once in a while, there is that plant that you just have to have, uh, even though the conditions are wrong. So you work a little bit harder to get that. Um, but you, you can have an incredibly low-maintenance garden um, if your plant selection is good. Actually, my, a neighbor of mine reached out and, you know, saw that I like to garden here in my yard and said, you know, can you give me some tips on creating, I need, you know, I'm having to move away. I'm going to have to rent my house. How can I create a low maintenance garden or landscaping in my yard? And so it really made me think about it. And of course, you know, taking a permaculture class, I am very aware of how nature does it. So it's, you know, there are always plants on the ground or the ground cover, the taller plants, the bushes, the small trees, the tall trees. So you've got all these layers. Um, so, you know, you can say if you have anything to add or agree with me, but I would assume if somebody wants a low maintenance garden, you know, they want to start with a ground cover because that's going to keep the moisture in, keep the weeds down and then have a bit of a taller plant and then maybe some bushes and some low trees and taller trees, but all closely, you know, located. So they're, yeah, uh, preventing the weeds from getting sunlight and moisture, just kind of drowning them out. Really. Yeah, I, I completely agree. You know, that that's the way that um, I garden in my yard. Um, and, and, you know, it kind of comes down a little bit to personal preference. Uh, some people do really like that garden where there's a plant and then a space with lots of mulch and then another plant. Um, so that mm -hmm. everything is in their own little spot and very neat and tidy. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but it does create more opportunity for for weeds to fill in those spaces and so when i garden i do plant in a way where when i'm done and the plants have filled out and established you can't see the ground because you know every inch is is hopefully co covered by plant material and, and like you said that that keeps the weeds out 
Um, and I think it's a, a you know, a, creates a really beautiful garden. And so having those layers um, can really help. And, and, you know, that's, that's a fun way that I found at my property um, to be able to introduce other plants that I couldn't have had before, um, you know, with my sandy soil and, and pretty, um, you know, dry, hot conditions, there were a lot of shade plants um, that, that I just could not grow. And so, you know, I've, I've planted, you know, a number of trees. And as those trees have grown up, all of a sudden, that environment around them changes. And those plants that I had initially, that wanted all that sun, were no longer thriving, but I got to introduce plants that were needed that shade. Um, and, and so that's the other thing to keep in mind is that the, you know, nature is always changing, the garden is always changing. And um, it, it can be a, f a real fight to keep it the same way um, if, if that's what you want. But if you're willing to adapt and kind of learn with it and change as the garden grows, uh, it can be a lot of fun and, and ultimately easier. That's right. Uh, yeah, so I, you know, I wanted to bring up, um, I don't know if you've had a chance to read the book, uh, Nature's Best Hope by Douglas Ptolemy, but it was you know, of course, a lot of it, you know, as an experienced gardener, a lot of it was stuff that I knew, but some key tidbits that I gleaned from that book, you know, an obvious, something obvious, but I never put, connected the dots, um, you know, we're facing right now, uh, people talk about the bug apocalypse, you know, when I was a kid, we would go for a drive and we'd get home and the front grill of the vehicle would be covered in dead bugs. And the windshield will be covered in dead bugs. And you just don't, you don't see that anymore. And that's because the bug populations are just being decimated. You know, every, people have to have those bug zappers. We, you know, it's like pest control, like kill, kill, kill. Um, but what, what I didn't connect was, you know, the plants grab the sunlight to make food and then the bugs eat the plants. And then the birds eat the bugs and it just goes up the food chain. So eventually, you know, we get that. That's how we get the sun's energy, but we are just, you know, always attacking the bugs and, you know, we need those bugs. <laughs> you know, we're going to be um, not dead in the water. Uh, and so, yeah, we have to figure out how to change our perception of bugs um, from ew gross oh get that thing off me oh it's gonna hurt me to no we you know we rely on these these little creatures and we need them and um, another uh, really uh, salient point he had you know he gave the example of trees that are um, so he categorized trees he said oak trees are number one in terms of supporting animal life. So they support something like 549 species compared to the next tree, which is like 49 species, just a huge difference. But if you have an oak tree in the middle of a lawn with just lawn around it, compacted lawn, those bugs that you know rely on that tree and then they go to migrate away from the tree and they're, you know, they go down to the ground and they try to burrow in and it's like concrete, mm -hmm. right? This, this grass, uh, compacted grass, and there are no plants around to attach to create a chrysalis, you know, to eat. Um, and so, yeah, all these creatures that were supported by this oak tree are now just not surviving. And... Yeah, when I have tree people come over and they'll say, oh, don't put any plants around your trees. But out in nature, you know, <laughs> I mean, you go out into a wooded area, you see plants everywhere. You see plants around trees and the leaves, you know, drop their leaves to fertilize and people rake all those leaves up. They take them somewhere else. I mean, that's those leaves are the best fertilizer um, in my book. So, yeah, we need to plant plants around trees, support the bugs. Um, yeah, and then he mentioned, I think, like six or seven, six or seven keystone, you know, and this is from, through research, keystone pollinator friendly plants that if you have them in your yard, they support the specialized bees, 
or pollinators, if you can support them, you're going to support all the generalists as well. And I'm going to forget some of them, but I know Goldenrod, Aster, um, I think Evening Primrose, uh, Blueberries. So, if, you know, those are the key, and there are two or three other ones, key plants to have in your yard, and you're going to support uh, those pollinators, which is, of course, we also need to survive because they pollinate so much of our food. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and goldenrod is, is such a fantastic plant, uh, but it gets mm -hmm. such a bad name uh, because yeah, it, exactly. it flowers flowers at the same time as ragweed. So everyone thinks that they're allergic to goldenrod. Um, but it, it, you know, it, it's one of the easiest plants that you could grow, um, you know, um, almost too easy. Um, and it, it will spread and just kind of grow by itself. But, you know, I, I do see more and more uh, properties where folks are letting their lawn just, you know, turn to wildflowers or meadows or just long grass. Uh, and, and so that is encouraging to see. Um, and I think a lot of people are finding, you know, who, who have had larger lawns in the past. I know I spoke with a customer here uh, several years ago who had done some traveling and saw a garden that was maintained in that way and just not mowed. Um, and, and he thought to himself, you know, what, why am I spending this time mowing this area? It's, it's not an area that I'm using as a uh, like, you know, soccer field or for an athletic reason. I don't, I don't need to be mowing this. And, and so now he just lets it grow. Um, and it, and, you know, that's adding to the, the environment. And it's also reducing his workload in terms of having to mow mm -hmm. and take care of that area. Um, so it, it's really encouraging to, to see folks, um, you know, uh, you know, read books like this and, and see that information that's coming out uh, in terms of how we should be, you know, looking at nature and, and copying uh, what's, ha what's happening around us in our own landscapes. Exactly. Well, we'd like to thank our guest, uh, Eric Tideman Mao, employee owner of Gardner Supply in Hadley, Massachusetts. You may find additional information about Farm to Fork on Valley Free Radio's website, valleyfreeradio.org. Our theme song, Sometimes I Wonder Where My Food Comes From, was written by Scraggly Dan and the Stragglers. This Farm to Fork radio program, if you enjoyed listening to blues music, 103.3 FM every Friday from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m., the host will provide every kind of blues and soul flowing through her head. She likes to celebrate various occasions, regions. Don't forget the Motor City and abundance of women's blues. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for Twilight's Poetry Pub with host Tommy Twilight. like to hear past episodes you can go to farmtofork.pinecast.co or apple podcasts spotify google podcasts amazon stitcher or any podcast service that you use just search for farm to fork on wxoj